Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Cape Sports Now, the Cape Cod Times podcast and Facebook live show covering all things Cape Cod sports. I'm Matt Goisman alongside Steve Yudarian. Steve, it's May. We're officially in the second month of the spring season. We've already got a few teams close to the playoffs. A couple have actually already qualified, and now we're looking ahead to sort of the back half of this thing. Yeah, definitely my uh, favorite month of the year it comes to sports. I mean, not just because I'm hoping for warm weather to come around, but keep hoping. C- certainly the games have a lot more gravity to them, and you really start you know, seeing who's going to shape up and who's going to start probably making a run at things as we get into June with the playoffs, obviously. Absolutely. You know, in the next couple of weeks, we're going to see most of the leagues across all the sports we cover are probably going to be decided. We've got tight races in the Atlantic Coast League, the Cape and Islands. We should see whichever team is going to win that kind of cement that title in the next two weeks or so. We've got a lot of big matches coming up this week that we're going to get to. Uh, we'll start with baseball and just kind of our format that we've been doing for the last few weeks of best player from last week, best game from last week, and then looking ahead to uh, games that we are looking forward to this week. Uh, so my player uh, of the week from last week, I'm cheating, but we made this up so we can do what we want. Uh, I went with Kevin Flynn and Jake Wallman from St. John Paul. Uh, three teams went 3-0 and last week. That was SJP2, Sandwich, and Barnstable. But I think actually the three wins St. John Paul had were probably tougher than the team Sandwich and Barnstable had to be. You know, Beating Cape Tech, was that was not th- their hardest game, but they did have to beat Martha's Vineyard and Sturgis East, two of the other really big threats to win the Cape and Islands this uh year Martha's Vineyard hadn't lost a league game before this and Sturgis East I think had one loss or something like that so very tough close game there where Sturgis East took the lead and St. John Paul had to come back and hang on bunch of players that could have gone within that in those games I you know Aaron Cole and Andrew Cassidy both pitched complete games Cassidy struck out nine and had a two-hit shutout against Martha's Vineyard which was very impressive Uh, but I'm going to go with a pair of hitters Flynn was four for eight last week, three runs scored, two runs batted in. Wallman was four for seven, three runs scored, five RBIs, and a stolen base. Both came up really big against Martha's Vineyard. As I said, no losses in the league before this one. Martha's um, Obviously, St. John Paul didn't want to give up two league games because they've already dropped one this year. So these were very important games, and these were two players I thought really stepped up. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're starting to see St. John Paul starting to hit more of its stride as we've seen in years past. They did lose that game at Monomoy earlier in the year, but I don't think they got down from it. So I think this is a team that's really starting to take over and say, no, I think we're still um, the be- uh, one of, if not the best, team in the league right now. Yeah, at this point, you know, considering how well they beat Martha's Vineyard, and Martha's Vineyard record overall is not it's fine, but a lot they of they do play a tough schedule. They play vineyard. a really tough schedule, but most of their wins have been league wins. So we'll see what happens when they get the uh, get into the playoffs. Right now, I think St. John Paul is the best team in that league. We'll see what happens in the Monomoy rematch. They've still got a, a game against the Vineyard and another against Sturgis East, but right now the Lions have got to be feeling much more comfortable with where they stack up in uh, in the league. Uh, switching from the Cape and Islands to the South Coast Conference, my game of the week was Bourne's 2-1 win over Wareham. Haven't talked as much about Bourne as we have some of the other teams this year, in part because they play an almost entirely off-Cape schedule because they're in the South Coast Conference. But this was not only a big conference win for Bourne, it was against arguably their biggest rival in the conference, Wareham and Bourne. Their Thanksgiving Day football rivalry, for instance, dates back to 1934. There's always an added edge to these games. Certainly, I've seen it when they've played them in basketball, both boys and girls. So, it's always, Bourne always feels good when they can beat uh, the Vikings. 
Speaking of football, James Cahoon, really big player for Bourne in that game against Wareham. He gave up one run on three hits and a walk through the first four innings. Then Nick Carr, who got the win, three scoreless relief innings, two strikeouts, two hits. You know, I like lower scoring games because they're faster. They're, <laughs> yes, no, they're faster and they tend to be more efficiently played. And as a reporter, I can tell you, nothing is more frustrating to watch than an inefficient game with a lot of walks and a lot of errors. That's that's not fun, and I don't even think that's that fun for players to play in either. I think they would rather play games where the defense is clean, the pitching is good, the base running is smart. You know, everybody wants to play efficient ball. Uh, and they force everybody to make plays. You know, in a, a game you win 8-2, to two, you can make a couple of errors and probably still win. But in a 2-1 game or a 1-0 game, everybody has to play cleanly or you're going to lose. And it usually comes down to one player or two players or even just one or two plays stepping up and getting it done. This time around, uh, it was uh, Brendan Sullivan getting it done for Bourne. He had all three of the team's hits. That's it. They won the game with three hits. You know, we drove in Steve Barmashi in the third, and then Dalton Woodside with the go-ahead game, ultimate game winner in the sixth. Bourne has been kind of a, a win-one-lose-one team this season, especially recently. I'm hoping this game kind of gets them on track because with guys like the ones I mentioned and Ben Smith, they definitely have – potential but they have not shown a ton of consistency so far yeah i mean the pitching i think is interesting you, you don't see a lot of guys going seven yeah i think you see a lot of maybe six max and then somebody comes in and finishes it out but just fine i mean yeah but i mean maybe i think in a way that's almost a long-term strategy right save your arms to the end of the year right yeah. don't don't extend anybody um further than you have to and you know whoever's feeling right for that day is going to go and then you're going to have a guy behind him who I think can pretty much maintain mm -hmm. that balance. There's not like there's that really, I don't think there's necessarily that one particular ace. I mean, Cahoon's certainly thrown well this year, but Ben uh, Smith, maybe yeah, right. Ben Smith as well. So, I mean, I don't think there's necessarily one particular guy. I think they could go with any number of guys yeah. in any given situation. If they need an inning or two from somebody, they can pluck somebody out of the field and say, Hey, we need you for two innings. Go ahead. And I think the teams that are winning this year are the ones that have the deeper bullpens that have more pitching options. Obviously, Sandwich, we've talked about at mm -hmm. length. I'm going to mention them in a few minutes. But they have uh, three or four different arms they can go to at this point. Barnstable has got a good depth of pitching, obviously, behind Casey Proto, who's nominally their eighth, but I'm not even sure he's their best pitcher this year. Uh, but he's been really effective. Bourne's got options. St. John Paul has at least three good starting pitching options they can go to. So, yeah, the teams that have the most pitching and cannot overtax any one guy, they are the ones that are really doing well this year. And I think what's interesting about this 2-1 matchup in particular is that you get a lot of these born guys who go on the summer and play for Sandwich Post-188 yep. Legion Ball. And Wareham, I know in the past, has been one of their big league rivals. Absolutely. So. It's very likely a lot of these same players will, will play again this summer um, in, in Legion Ball and should be expecting good matchups. There's been two of the better programs, on at least in this region, uh, that we've seen. For sure. In terms of games coming up this week, I mentioned Sandwich. They can't win the Atlantic Coast League this week, but they can put themselves in a really good place to do so. They've got, uh, at, they're at Marshfield on Tuesday, and then they're home against Nauset on Friday. Tyler Whitaker has been playing really great baseball all season, but I feel like in the last few games he's gone to an entirely new level. Um, I think some of that might be he had a little bit of an injury that I think only took him out of one game, but I think it maybe hampered him a little bit through the first couple of weeks, and I think he's back at full strength. You know, Marshfield beat Nossett in extra innings last week. They are not an easy team, uh, and the Rams are also hosting Falmouth on Wednesday, and then they're at Dennis Yarmouth on Friday. 
I don't think Marshalls can win the ACL, but they could easily spoil other teams' hopes for the ACL crown. Uh, we also have another big Cape and Islands League showdown this Friday. Sturgis East hosts Monomoy. That's at Lowell Park in Ketuit. These te- teams are trying to chase down St. John Paul and the Vineyard in the league standings. I think whichever team wins this game is probably going to eliminate the other from, from contending for a league title. So this game really, really matters uh, for both the Storm and the Sharks, who are probably both going to make the playoffs but would love to go in as league champions. Absolutely. Should be fun to watch. We'll turn over to softball. Uh, and my softball player of the week was a pitcher because I went with hitters in baseball, and it's Molly Bruce from Falmouth. Uh, Molly Bruce was in all three games uh, that they played last week against Nossett. Uh, two hits, a walk, struck out seven. Sandwich, five hits, a walk, struck out eight. Bishop Stang, four hits, struck out five over the last three innings. So that basically translates to 20 strikeouts in 17 innings. She had at least six hits in three games. We've talked about Bruce needing to be the anchor for this team. She's been their ace for a while now. I think last week was yet another example of kind of all the ways she has been exactly that. No, absolutely. I mean, if Falmouth is going to have any success and, and try to challenge teams like DY, and I think they even have to play Marshall one more time. Yeah, they do. Um, it's certainly, she's going to be the, the difference in that one. And, you know, she'd be able to perform, I think, hitting-wise, too. I mean, she hasn't been the only one. I mean, you certainly got big Great. contributions from players like Megan Robbins, who's Grace able to Kwan, the deep Maeve ball. Carter, yeah, yeah, so... Um, she's definitely gotten good run support, which is certainly helpful, but definitely taking care of business in the circle has been one of, if not the best pair. I know Abby Hicks from DY kind of gives her a bit of a run for her money, but mm-hmm. I think both of them have been up there as the best pitchers in, in the league this year. And in softball, it's not like baseball. You don't really have as many pitchers. So yeah. certainly in particular, she, she's done a really good job. Yeah, most most teams will have one or maybe two softball pitchers because you can you can get away with pitching in softball every other day. Every three days, you're certainly recovered enough to just go back out at it. Um, yeah, you mentioned uh, Falmouth's upcoming ACL schedule. Next week, they have uh, DY and Marshfield. So that's the ACL is pretty much, I think, going to be over a week from, from Wednesday, so nine days from now. Game of the week. Oh, uh, speaking of the long ball, before we finish with that, on the offensive side, shout out to Match P. Cheyenne Hendricks. St. John Paul's Anna Kate Kudla and Sturgis West Bella DeBlois. Each one hit a grand slam last week, which is pretty cool. Three grand slams in one week. Yeah, regardless of how your season shapes up, you you still hold those memories in high school hitting a grand slam. It's still a pretty cool accomplishment. So definitely those little those little victories, uh, so to speak, for some of those teams that might not you know make the tournament or. Well, I think Mashpee still has a good chance to make the tournament. Right, St. John Paul Sturgis West. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, so my game of the week. D.Y. beating Monomoy 3-1. Did I pick D.Y. for the second straight week? Yes. Do I feel bad about that? No. Because uh, this game didn't have the league implications of the Dolphins' 1-0 win against Marshfield. Uh, that was two weeks ago. But it was still a really well-played game between what I'm comfortable in calling the two best teams and two best pitchers on the Cape. And it's a sign of D.Y.'s improvement from last year because last year Monomoy beat D.Y. twice uh, in the regular season. Abby Hicks, excellent once again. She's had a terrific year. One unearned run on five hits and a walk, five strikeouts. She also is a really good defensive uh, pitcher. She fielded seven balls back, hit back into the pitcher's circle for putouts. So basically she was responsible for 12 of the team's 21 outs. You had Kayla McGaffigan and Maddie Medeiros being the big hitters in that game, which is not easy to do against Molly Charest. You know, and once again, DY's defense. They had a really nice double play in that game that didn't turn the tide, but definitely helped keep them keep momentum entering the middle innings. You had Medeiros at third. She fields a bunt. 
Then she throws over to first in time for the out. And then Ava McGaffigan at first sees the runner trying to get to third. Julia Kent, the shortstop, is covering the bag. Strong throw over, tag, double play. Really, really big moment. You know, and then for Monomoy, Molly Charest, she, she was three for three. She pitched a complete game, but I think Hicks was the dominant, the better pitcher in this one. And I think the Dolphins right now look like the better team than Monomoy for sure. Yeah, and I mean, it's only certainly when we look to the best team in the Cape, these have been the two shining examples. But I think a bit of a silver lining for Monomoy is, yes, they're Division Four, right? They're not have to worry about DY come postseason time. All likelihood will still win the Cape and Islands League title yes, and get a favorable seed going into the tournament. Um, but certainly they have some work to do. And mm-hmm. I think we were talking a little bit about last night is I don't think their lineup's quite as deep no, as we've seen so in either. years past. I mean, Sam Barr, as you just wrote about, been very good this year. Obviously, Cheris, who we mentioned seemingly on a weekly basis, have been very strong. But Caroline DiGiovanni's doing really right. well as the new catcher. But, you know, in the in past Monomoy teams, even players that weren't didn't necessarily have a high batting average at mm-hmm. the bottom of the order could move those runners along. Yeah. I think you mentioned a lot of those plays back to Hicks. I'm sure a handful of them were bunts. And the one thing with bunting is you never want to go back to the pitcher. Right. I Maybe one or two was. Most of them were just straight grounders or right. liners. I mean, they they were just good pitches that she was able to jam them on and right. get these sort of slow rollers. But my point is, though, when you have runners on base, you need people, especially at the bottom of your lineup, who can move those right. runners along, get the top of your order up again, and be able to drive those runs in. And I don't think Monomoy has been able to do that quite to the level it has in the past. Sure. And in this particular game, they didn't even have that many base runners Period. I mean, right. they, they really struggled to get on base. <laughs> mm-hmm. They didn't score until the seventh on Hicks, unfortunately, dropping a pop-up. And then the next in, uh, at bat, Courtney Kelly gets an RBI. But, you know, they were just not even able to get on base, so they couldn't move runners along with any consistency. You know, in terms of upcoming games, we've still got a month left, but a few teams have already got eight wins. They probably will clinch playoff spots sometime this week. Falmouth has already qualified. You've got Monomoy at Rising Tide on Tuesday, then they're at Sandwich on Wednesday, and then they play Sturgis East uh, on Friday. That's at Lopes Field in Hyannis, only about a half a, a half mile from our office. I'm pretty sure Monomoy is going to end this week uh, weekend having already qualified for the postseason. Nantucket hosts Sturgis East, then they're at Cape Tech on Thursday, and then at St. John Paul on Friday. They've got a Saturday doubleheader against Georgetown, and I think they'll have qualified before they even get in there. And just to be clear, that's not the uh, Georgetown U. That'd be Georgetown Mass, which is up yes. in the northern Mass. <laughs> yeah, that's a little hike, a bit of a hike. So I hope Georgetown and in, in, I hope they enjoy the road trip um, and the ferry ride. Dy is also eight and one. I think they're going to easily beat Pembroke on Wednesday. They beat them thirteen zero earlier this year. But then on Friday is when they can really put uh, the stranglehold on the ACL. They've got their rematch at Marshfield. You figure it'll be Bree Melchionda versus Hicks again. And Falmouth has already proven Marshfield can live at, can lose at home, but this will be a tough battle. A loss wouldn't be that big a deal since Falmouth still has to play D.Y. and Marshfield next week, as we've talked about. That's Tuesday and Wednesday back-to-back. But if the Dolphins can get this one, then they can lose to Falmouth. It won't even matter because the next game will be against Nauset, a team they'll be heavily favored against. So Friday they will either leave themselves with some work to do next week or they'll pretty much lock it up right then and there. Yeah, absolutely. And and like I said, I mean, Falmouth certainly is where the rubber hits the road, but mm-hmm. I really think they got to win both to really, uh, you know, prove that they're up there with DY. And the thing is, too, of it, I was just going to mention earlier, is that very all likelihood these teams will see each other when they have the Cape Cod showdown. Oh, yeah. Kind of Not in that Marshall, week. but yeah. Well, that's what I mean. Between Falmouth and DY, mm-hmm. a very good chance that those teams will see each other uh, 
another time in addition to the two regular season matchups. I agree. Although I would just expect they'll be bracketed in a way that they won't play each other in the first round like they did last year. So if they face off, my hunch is they'd face off in the finals this time around. Oh. Switch it over to boys lacrosse. What do you yeah, got? let's do it. How about those Seahawks, right? The Cape Cod Academy <laughs> boys uh, lacrosse team getting its first win as a reestablished uh, sports program. As we've mentioned in the past, Cape Cod Academy, it was one of the, actually the first varsity sports at the school. Mm-hmm. It was brought back uh, to varsity this year after kind of being reestablished as a JV program last year. Yep. So credit to Rick Kosovec for working with these kids and, and getting them back up to, to varsity lacrosse level. I mean, they still got a long way to go, but... Mm-hmm. You know, it starts with one for the Seahawks, who got four goals from junior Nick Magoon. His uh, older brother, Chris, had 20 saves in the victory in goal. And then you had Chris Kenny, Doug Carr, and uh, Michael Leary, all with two goals apiece. Kenny's a junior, so, you know, you expect, um, you know, good efforts out of him. But mm-hmm. Carr and Leary are in seventh and eighth grade, respectively. I mean, when you have a seventh grader playing boys varsity lacrosse, yeah. that's not always the easiest thing. Now you have more kids that age playing uh, club lacrosse than ever. But at the same time, to it's be still able tough to, to be going up against seniors. No, absolutely. And, and but to be able to get a win on the board in the first years of varsity program, I think is a very promising sign mm-hmm. that the youth and the that that level is there, and that they can they've proven to themselves that they can win a game. Mm-hmm. Um, but in fact, I mean, you look at the future. Eight of these uh, different Seahawks are in eighth grade or younger. Yeah. So uh, certainly, this is a this is a work in progress. But th- I think the future is there, and they're getting that those varsity reps now and. I think those will play huge dividends. I think in one or two years, you'll see Cape Cod Academy be up there with some of those other teams. As long as the kids stick with the sport. That's I mean, true. If they don't have a good time or they leave the school, then a lot of this young talent is just going to disperse. Right. But if they all stay together, yes, absolutely. I mean, I think there's an understanding. I mean, yes, you're going to have to please take your lumps against the Nantucket, who's run over just about everyone they've played this yeah. year. <laughs> so I think I looked last night at 202 goals to 24 allowed. Yeah, they look better than ever. In the Cape and Islands boys <laughs> across. <laughs> but, you know, I don't think that one opponent is going to necessarily deter someone completely away from the sport. As I mentioned, club lacrosse is big now. And, mm-hmm. I, and I think you're seeing people who, yeah, even if varsity isn't the best experience, they're going to stick around for the sport for club where they really can excel with people of their own age group. So I agree. Um, so the future looks bright. And I, and I think the Seahawks are bound to win a few more games. Um, they play the Sturgises both this week. Uh, plus Falmouth Academy, and then they're going to end the regular season with a rematch at Cape against Cape Tech. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think those are all potentially winnable games. I think Sturgis East has been probably the best of those remaining yeah, teams. I agree. Um, but certainly I think they have a very good chance to win against West. I think Falmouth Academy, I think they could be stick with as well. And then Cape Tech, they've already proven they can do it once, so why not one more time? Sturgis West, their their big problem there is McKay has been a really good goalie for them, and I think that team has a little bit more varsity experience. Same with Falmouth Academy. Cape Tech, I think, is definitely a, a winnable game, as they just right. proved. I mean, Cape Tech has been in games this year. I just don't think they've played consistently. I, yeah. I think there's just almost something like the hockey team, right? They get a, They get some bright spots somewhere, and then it kind of falls apart again. So I think they just got to find that you know, consistently get back mm-hmm. on track. Um, but certainly I'll stick in the Cape and Islands League for uh, my top player. I, I've chosen him before, but i got to choose him again. Mike Sackovic <laughs> just continues to be on a towards scoring pace. 13 goals last week, accounting for his team's 27s. Goals combined in his two wins last week. I have him at 56 goals this year alone. Yep. And with the Lions scoring 115 total, I mean, that's literally half. half your Yeah, yeah almost <laughs> half. Uh, clearly team's game plan for him, but they still haven't really found a way to slow him down. Mm-hmm. So I think it's been real impressive. You know, he's reached eight goals and also seven goals twice each this year. So four games where he's had seven goals or more. Uh, the Lions, you know, they're going to be tested this week. This is another 
very tough week for them, and they got to play Nantucket in a rematch. Nantucket really, like I said, I mean, they've run over everybody. Yeah. Um, but then they play Archbishop Williams again, and Archbishop Williams beat St. John Paul 11-8 early in the season. I think St. John Paul's been playing a little bit better here mm-hmm. down the stretch, so I think there's a very good chance they can be in that game, and if they can go up to Archie and win that game, that will certainly be a, an encouraging win for them. Um, this week, certainly really excited for this afternoon. Uh, we have a uh, second version of the Canal Cup <laughs> in, in a way this week. We have Sandwich at Bourne Boys Lacrosse, 4 p.m. Uh, today. That's going to be at Bourne High School. So, again, a de facto Canal Cup decided when these two teams square off. Bourne has won it in boys hockey the last two years. Um, but certainly Sandwich Lacrosse, who we've talked about ad nauseum on this show, has been outstanding this year. They mm-hmm. had a really good week last week, uh, beating Falmouth, uh, comp- completing a season sweep. Um, six different players I've counted have scored in double digits this year on Sandwich's offense, and yet an aggressive defense in midfield and a confident goaltender and a winning attitude, all these things have arguably been even more important to the Blue mm-hmm. Knights' success. And they just don't back down no matter who they're playing. So certainly there's some hockey guys there who are trying to look to settle the score a little bit uh, in this game. Um, but on board side too, you know, mm-hmm. certainly have quite a few players we're also looking for that sweep, you know, Christian Mulker and Max Hess, both guys who were high scorers for Bourne's boys hockey team. They're not going to back down from this game either. I mean, a lot of these guys are familiar with one another, and um, they're going to try to make this a game, even though this is a very tough week for Bourne, as I'll explain in a second. Um, goalie Chris Evangelista hasn't backed down either. He's he's faced some real tough opponents in the South Coast Conference this year, and I think he's performed well, making most of the saves that he's had to. Mm-hmm. But certainly when you look at this match, uh, if you want to break it down, the face-offs are going to be certainly huge. Um, Sandwich's Tim Ladner has been outstanding, but so is Bourne's Kyle McGuire. I think both of them are probably averaging over 90% face-off wins this mm-hmm. year, if not somewhere around that. So I, I'm going to be very interested to see right from the start of the game how those guys go off one-on-one. Um, but certainly Ladner has gone up against some of the best competition in the state and has really excelled. So sure, still should be exciting to see this matchup. Mm-hmm. We've also got some good matchups coming up in the Cape and Islands League, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Tuesday, uh, Martha's Vineyard at Monomoy should be very interesting. You know, Nantucket pretty much owns Cape and Islands League again. Yeah, they're not gonna, to hammer the point. <laughs> they're not going to lose a league game. I'm pretty confident. But Martha's Vineyard and Monomoy aren't that far behind. You know, uh, Martha's Vineyard comes in at eight and one. Monomoy seven and two. They're going to do battle for the second time this year. Mm-hmm. Martha's Vineyard won that first matchup, but Monomoy has won five of six since that loss and led by Elijah Beasley and Connor DeVoe. I think both will have to bring their best. But I think the Sharks, if they can game plan better for Martha's Vineyard, I think there's a very good chance they could win this game at home and kind of grab a share of second place in that league and really show that they belong. It's interesting. Monomoy as a boys lacrosse program is not that you know old. I mean, I feel like they've only they they were you know, I think a co-op at one point, but I think they only went independent as and became a varsity program maybe two or three years ago. Yeah, when the so, school, right around, I think a year after the school was founded, I think that team came together. Yeah, or maybe even a year after that. But, you know, for a program that's pretty young to already be 7-2, and two, looking very comfortably like a playoff team, maybe even a team that can win its first-round match and, and who knows what happens in the second round, that's pretty impressive for them. No, absolutely. Um, and part of that's a byproduct of the league. And we'll have to yes. see, again, we don't talk about it enough, but how that Cape and Islands dynamics is going to shake up next year. And I'm really interested in seeing where some of these middle of the road, and by middle of the mo- road, I mean like in terms of school enrollment. Mm-hmm. And some of these schools like Sandwich, for example, who's going in, schools like Monomoy, yep. how they're going to kind of fit into this league. Um, 
versus the other small schools versus you know all the Sturgis's. Yeah, and, all the charter like schools. That. But yeah, the schools like Monomoy, like Martha's Vineyard especially, which is the only D3 school right now in the Cape and Islands League. So do they bump up to the big school and then have to play Barnstable twice? And in some sports, they already are playing Barnstable. Yes, so certainly true. But that's certainly a discussion for another day. I mean, this week we also have Barnstable at Falmouth, the game we were supposed to see earlier this year um, at Barnstable. They're going to play at Falmouth at 4 p.m. Friday. Um, you know, still looking forward to this uh, game and. Hopefully the forecast holds up because unfortunately a Friday, which happens to be my birthday too, looks like it's going to rain. Unfortunately, but I mean, shocking. Yeah, we've got so little rain this spring. I'm I'm just flabbergasted. <laughs> still, game wise though, we still have a lot of good scorers on each side of the rivalry. Dylan Jones, Will Martone, Jack Alvin for Barnstable mm-hmm. have all been real solid. Um, Fouth is going to have to counter with guys calling Almeida again. Their top scorer, but guys like Duke Melton, I think, are stepping up, starting to become that kind of complimentary goal scorer. Mm-hmm. He had three goals against Sandwich, um, one of them on a long blast from the outside. So, uh, certainly, Falmouth is going to kind of crank things up here. I think Melton's going to have to be a big part of that. Definitely. Girls lacrosse, you wanted to stick with the Cape and Islands League for your yeah, game. Yeah, no, week. absolutely. Uh, Falmouth Academy with a 12 11 win over Nantucket. Certainly a bit of a turnaround from what we saw in the season opener where Falmouth Academy just ran rough shot over mm-hmm. Nantucket. Um, Angel Ramsey had six goals. Uh, Maria Medeiros and McKeeler uh, chipped in with a hat trick apiece. But mm-hmm. Ramsey actually got sent off with a second yellow card in the second half. And the Mariners actually smartly were able to hold the ball for about eight minutes mm-hmm. and uh, stretched that 10-8 lead when that happened to a 12-8 lead. So impressive composure without your best player on the field to finish off a team like Nantucket, who's certainly been feisty against some teams this year um, and not a, not an easy situation to be in on the road. But then they also came back uh, later this w- later that week to beat Monomoy. They were down 7-6 at the half, kind of took over in the second half mm-hmm. and held off Monomoy. So Falmouth Academy, they two real challenging games this past week, and they've been able to merge from both, and they were rewarded. They got their spot in the tournament all locked up. So I think now at this point you're just trying to hold on and get that winning percentage as high as possible. Absolutely. To possibly get that probably not a one, but a two or maybe a three seed in the tournament. Well, for one, I'm pretty sure they're going to play in the same division as Martha's Vineyard, and if the Vineyard, we can expect they will have the higher, you know, record, so they'll probably be the team with the top seed out coming out of the Cape and Islands League. Right. Because um, there's only there's only two divisions in girls across, correct? For girls across, yes. Yeah, just yes. like with field hockey, mm-hmm. so yeah, so. You can see a whole mixture of, you know, teams in there, and obviously the Cohasset, yeah. well, and the Cohasset of the Norwells, even if yeah. they're seeded lower, are still the teams to beat in Division Two. Without a doubt. I mean, I think Norwell is ranked like in the top 20 in the country, so uh, or Cohasset, one of them is. So, yeah, so the South Shore League is just going to be a monster again this this uh, postseason. Right. Um, but we also had, I had a bit of an honorable mention, mm-hmm. because it, you got to mention it, we talked about it on the show last week, but DUI with a 12 nothing win over Upper Cape to get its first win of the year. Uh, Gia Cataldo had four goals to lead the way, and Tori Snow made six saves in the shutout. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just nice for the Dolphins to get, to get off the snide there and yep. uh, get things rolling. Um, Sandwich also captured the Atlantic Coast League title uh, with convincing wins over Falmouth and DY last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sandwich actually swept. It was interesting. I found out. Actually, you found out for me yeah, last <laughs> week uh, that Sandwich actually swept Falmouth in boys and girls lacrosse combined. So four wins for the first time since 2015. So. I guess every four years that all come, comes together. Very much but so. We'll see certainly, in 2023. <laughs> but it certainly shows that both programs have been good, but Falmouth in particular in the past has been really good, and Sandwich I think starting to 
kind of take them over for a little bit, mm-hmm. and we'll see how long they can hold that mantle for, you know, going into the playoffs and going into the next couple of years. Yeah, certainly Sandwich has been the superior school this spring. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, if you look at all the different sports, with the exception of softball, Sandwich has probably got better records in baseball, boys and girls across, even in tennis, so... Uh, right. which we'll get to at the end of the show. Right. Um, in terms of my top player, you know, love the effort by Fowles, Quinn O'Rourke this past week. She had eight goals and a 9-6 win over Nossett. Mm-hmm. Pretty much entirely led yep. that offense, kind of what we've been seeing all year. But Fowles needed that win to stay above 500. I mean, that was a very important game against a Nossett team like we've talked about a lot. It's not been an easy team to beat this year. They have a mm-hmm. lot of really good talent. They have Matty a very Dale. talented goal scorer. Um, and O'Rourke just kind of put the team on his shoulders and say, all right, I got to carry I got to carry him to the finish mm-hmm. line, and she did. So a real good game for her last week. And though the league title is just about all but out of reach, uh, the Clippers are battle-tested. And, you know, that's not a team you necessarily want to match up with going into the postseason because the work can really do damage. Um, You know, we've seen other players like Abby Roman step up as well. But, again, you know, she's very talented, and that's not an easy matchup for any team to try to shut her down. So Mm -hmm. I know it's been frustrating, especially when you look at how last year went down for Falmouth. but certainly O'Rourke seems to be taking it in stride and trying to mentor kind of that next wave of players who are going to come along and be the future of that program. So um, this week, uh, you know, I mentioned, you know, on the boys' side, we have uh, Monomoy and Martha's Vineyard girls across on uh, 3 p.m. Tuesday. The Vineyard won 20 to 6 the first time, but, you know, Monomoy, I think, is going to be a little inspired coming off that effort against Falmouth Academy. Mm-hmm. Um, players like Jesse Curry, Leah Nash, Abby Wallace have been real talented. And, you know, I think if they can – they can manage the ball well and take advantage of scoring opportunities. They can maybe play this one a little bit clo- uh, more closely than last time. Mm-hmm. But certainly the Vineyard, I mean, has kept rolling ever since yeah. that showdown against South Academy, which they won 12-8. Um, just seeing, you know, just the, the, the unique depth of talent of that squad. Certainly yeah. it's going to be really interesting postseason time to see who they match up with. Mm-hmm. We've also got St. John Paul at Nantucket at four on Thursday, right? Yeah, that should be a great uh, matchup between equally talented Cape and Island squads. I mean, Kind of both battling, I guess, for that third, fourth spot mm-hmm. in the uh, in the league. Um, St. John Paul won the first matchup, eleven eight. But on the island, you know, as we know, things can change. And I think Nantucket, also inspired from that Falmouth Academy effort, is going to be looking to uh, split that season series. Mm-hmm. Looking, at, we'll uh, wrap it up with a little bit of tennis and track. In tennis, we got the South Sectionals tournament beginning this week. Uh, you know, in the past, Martha's Vineyard. What I'm really interested with that is. The last few years, they've always been able to win a doubles championship. Uh, obviously, they graduated their their doubles team from last year uh, in Cat Roberts and Lizzie Williamson. I'd be really curious to see both on the girls' and boys' side if maybe this is the year a singles player from the Vineyard can go all the way. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, we forget about the individuals sometimes because a lot of times tennis, we talk about the team aspect mm-hmm. and you know winning the state championship because the Vineyard's been able to do the last four years. So, I mean, individual championships are just it's exciting for tennis players. I mean, a lot of what they're doing in club is, you know, the UST. Yeah, UST, yeah, yeah. So, um, certainly they're going to be interested to see how they stack up. But, you know, the Vineyard singles players haven't seemed to back down. They seem to be, you know, rolling just like they did last year. I agree. You know, the other reason I think sometimes the individual tournament gets overlooked is it's got this weird sort of staggered schedule where it's, two weekends during the regular season, and then you've got the team playoffs that run the whole, which take about two weeks to wrap up, and they all cap off in the state championship. And then the week after that is the uh, the individual championship, and it almost feels a little bit kind of like the Pro Bowl used to in the NFL where it's kind of, 
everybody comes back together, but the emotional peak of the season has already happened. So I think that's sometimes why the individual tournament gets a little overlooked uh, is everybody was just at uh, St. John's and Shrewsbury to watch the team championships, and then they all got to go back out there for the individual championships. Yeah, but I mean, it is interesting at the same end. And in a way, maybe it's even more fun for the players because they're not worried about necessarily carrying the team. Sure. Uh, you know, the, the team's not necessarily counting on them as much as just th they put as much pressure on themselves as they want. So, But they also don't have the team true support in the same way, although I'm sure if you've got a player in the championships, probably your whole team is going to come out right. and watch you in it. But as of uh, as of Sunday night, though, we, we hadn't we hadn't seen a site announced yet. It was a little odd. Mm -hmm. I'm sure entries were actually due Sunday night, so I'm sure soon. You know, we'll see something. We'll up have my yeah. and um, definitely for updates on that. You can check out our Twitter page at, uh, at SportsCCT. We'll have all those updates for you as soon as we get them. Um, but in tennis, too, you know, sticking with the team stuff, we have a really good dual meet coming up this Friday. Uh, Nossadit Sandwich, both and on the boys' and girls' side, should be a very good matchup. Mm -hmm. uh, boys, in particular, Nossadit enters this week 8-1, and one, Sandwich 7-2. and two. Uh, Last time these two teams squared off, Nossadit won 3-2, um, even though Sandwich took two out of the three singles. Mm -hmm. um, at number one, you know, Ben Garside and Sandwich's uh, Evan Abramson played a long competitive match in, in first singles, had a tiebreaker in the second set, but ultimately Garside of Nossadit ended up winning out, so be very interested to see that uh, rematch. Um, you know, Nasus doubles, though, I mean, they really crushed it in, in that first matchup against Sandwich, and I think if they do that again, it's just going to come down to how the singles play out. And I think probably, if, if Nasus' two double teams can win, I think they probably will be able to take this match as well and pretty much either lock up or put themselves in cruising control for the ACL title. Yeah, absolutely. So, but track though, I was really impressed with some of the performances we saw over the weekend, mm -hmm. particularly with Monique Malcolm, who we talked just, about in the winter. Just had a spectacular year. No, absolutely. Um, we hadn't actually heard much from her coming up in the spring. I think not necessarily been holding her back, but I think kind of tuning up for these big meets is mm -hmm. more MSTCA meets coming up. You have the coaches invite at Sharon coming up this, uh, this weekend. Mm -hmm. So, but Malcolm uh, topped a new meet record in the 200-meter dash. It was actually a 10-year-old meet record, exactly. So is that the freshman-sophomore meet? The freshman-sophomore yeah. meet. So, I mean, this is all, again, as, as the name indicates, all freshmen and sophomores. But at the same time, you know, Malcolm, we've seen her already compete with some of the best in the yeah, state. win state championships. Right. She already won, she won the 100-meter dash um, also at this meet. While teammate Sophie Christopher also had a really impressive meet. She won the 800 she won the 400 hurdles, and then she also set a new program record by winning the triple jump. Mm -hmm. So um, just a really great effort, you know, all around by Nossich girls. They had a couple other first-place finishes. I think Izzy Nobly mm -hmm. ended up with an individual win. So um, good sign for the Nossich girls who, again, we talked about a lot in indoor track and had a really good season. But then on the boys' side, too, you had D.Y.'s Kevin Arsenal win the 800 in uh, two minutes and three seconds. Uh, he was named the outstanding male athlete of the of the meet. So... Um, good to see that balance on both sides. Mm -hmm. Fun meet to watch. Arsenault from uh, Dennis Yarmouth. That's right? right. Yep. So yeah, I mean, those are the two track programs. I feel like we talk about every spring, every winter. It's Nosset and it's DY, and you know, now that they've got this one out of the way, it's it's looking ahead to the all the all grades meets coming up. We've got the ACL championship coming up in probably two weeks, I think. So about, yeah, yeah. So you know, teams are especially with track and tennis where. It's all kind of the postseason starts a little bit earlier. A lot of these teams are starting to think about, you know, sectionals or, or states or, or what have you. And hit those qualifying marks and all that mm -hmm. stuff. Absolutely. I think that would do it for this week's episode of uh, Cape Sports Now. Uh, if you missed this one, you can find 
this episode and all previous ones on our website, capecodtimes.com slash capesportsnow. You can go to our landing page on Facebook. Just search for Cape Cod Times. Find episodes there. You can download this episode in podcast form through your podcast app, through any iPhone or Google product. You can also find us on Twitter. Uh, as we mentioned, our sports department account is SportsCCT. I'm also on Twitter at Matt Goisman, CCT. That's M-A-T-T-G-O-I-S-M-A-N-C-C-T. And my Twitter is at Steve underscore Derdarian. Last name's D-E-R-D-E-R-I-A-N. Matt. We'll see you next week. I'll see you when I'm 26. <laughs>